At Cinema Recall, we want to present to you the finest in film analysis. Yeah, like action and gore and sex. We will look at classics by Kubrick, Lynch, Godard, De Palma, and Coppola. I don't know who the f*** that is, but I'm looking at classic bodies of Christina Hendricks, Keanu Reeves, Salma Hayek, Ryan Reynolds. We are a serious show for film lovers who enjoy indie foreign films, art house gems, and classic black and white features. Well, I enjoy big budget blockbusters with great action and sexy people. Maybe our podcast can celebrate all aspects of films, like people who feel like your weird way and like people who feel like my weird way can like get together, man. They can? Yeah. Oh, you know, I like that. Cinema Recall is available everywhere you find great podcasts. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast and on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall. When I was a kid, there was a place. A dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that live there... They come back. Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast that wouldn't die. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as always, is Aaron. Woo! You can just hear my printer rolling in the background. That's how we do it. This is how we do it. This week... On the podcast that wouldn't die, we'll discuss the horror classic Dr. Sleep starring Ewan McGregor and others. Anybody else of note we should mention? And all the rest. No. Ewan McGregor. I mean, really. That's all you need to do. He's a tasty bit of crumpet. He's a tasty bit of crumpet. Now, this movie is based ever so loosely upon the original novel by Stephen King, which is a sequel to The Shining. So this is really The Shining Part 2. So there you go. Buckle up. I would say this... I mean, it's exciting because it's a sequel to The Shining, but it's really Stephen King light. Okay? (laughs) We'll dig deeper into this. Ladies and gentlemen, each week on the podcast that wouldn't die, we discuss guilty pleasures and forgotten classics of the past of the horror and sci-fi genres with a comedic twist. So good times had by all. Now, what are you saying, Aaron? What nonsense is this? This is, well, you know, when he was in his fever drinking and and drugging days, you really had these really complex stories where there's multiple... Not as annoying as Tom Clancy, where this whole storyline's you're like, screw this, I'm skipping ahead. But there was a lot of shit going on and a lot of different characters' POVs. And then after he kind of sobered up, it really became like a one-person POV. Oh, that's interesting. I thought you were going to say it stopped being scary when he sobered up. Then it became long-winded, less interesting. Well, well... It de- it just became flat. I mean, then you got like Christine, you got Pet Cemetery. It was just not, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's uh, Champagne versus Seven Up. That's all. 
See, what's interesting is you abandoned ship far earlier than I did. Like, you had stopped reading by the time I started reading, frankly. And I went back and reread re -read all the classics, but I hung on to Stephen King when I was in college. I finally bounced uh, with a, a story called Rose Matter, which I can't even remember what it was about. Oh, I did read Rose Matter later on, much later on. And like a lot of the early ones, I was like into it. And then the end was just shit. Right. That's the gooch. That became the yeah. gooch with Stephen King, where it's like... Yeah. He, he didn't know how to wrap it up. Right. Because in a lot of, uh, frankly, in his defense, a lot of authors do this, where they like have the yeah. kernel of an idea, and then they just let the Holy Spirit or whatever kind of course through there, and they just, they follow it wherever it goes. In often case, they're like, ah... Uh, I don't know where this, I, I'm kind of stuck, I, I guess. Sometimes it, yeah, sometimes you're driving along, you think you're on an adventure, and you just end up at a Walmart, which That's, maybe is what happened to George R.R. R. Martin. Yes, but the issue with Stephen King is that you'd be 700, 800, 900 pages in before you realize, oh, just a Walmart after all. That's just a Walmart after all. It's like when the, the Waze takes you on some weird do detour. Now you're off the highway. You're driving through city streets. It's getting weirder and weirder. And then in the end, there's the Walmart. Right. Well, what he would do. A normal person would say, I'm just going to put that on the shelf so I can do that better. But when, you, when you're Stephen King and yeah. you don't need editors anymore, then you're like, send it out. I'm yes. done. Well, and you you see this. It was become a literary podcast. You see this <laughs> in, in Pet Cemetery, the way he no. ends Pet Cemetery, where it's literally just you know the hand on the shoulder. That's the end. Uh, I was okay with that, but I've around Tommyknockers, where it was literally just the spaceship rises up in the sky. The end. That we were like, whoa, whoa hang on. What is, is there a post credit scene that I'm missing here? I mean, you got to give me something. You can't just I didn't even read that. I saw a part of the drama. There was like a mini series yes. where like holes were forming in the ground. And I thought that was interesting. And then I didn't have the cable channel or whatever. So I never found out what happened before or happened after. Well, and that's that basically the, the books that were not good enough to be turned into movies became miniseries. On TV, <laughs> Tommy Knocker's miniseries had Jimmy Smits as the central protagonist, and I believe uh, uh, Lewis from Revenge of the Nerds was one of the antagonists. Well, it's so important you that you have either either John Boy or somebody who is not a Carradine in, from Revenge of the Nerds in in your program. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. Sweet Jesus. Now, I yeah, mean, I mean Cujo. Do you call it Cujo? I mean, Cujo with a soft G? Okay. It's not like you said Cujo with a soft like a Like the car Pujo. That's what I thought I you know. said. My bad. I I th I'm sure I did. I say many things. But uh, it just got so, I mean, you can't follow up the stand with uh, Cujo. Fair enough. You see what I'm saying? Fair I mean, enough. you have this tome of yes. the evil people going to Las Vegas, which is what I always suspected anyway. And then the hand of God coming down to, to wipe them out, yeah. which was kind of retarded. Uh, we don't to something... Term, 
<laughs> well, I'm not referring to people who that used to refer to. Uh, okay. But th- and then all of a sudden you're like, if I order steak, yeah, can't give me uh, one of the the uh, an ultimate burger or whatever. Sloppy Joe. You can't, you can't give me, me a you can't give me a McDonald's cheeseburger, even if it's a McRib. Can't do and it. And I read his Don's Macabre do. bullshit. His but book I on mean, writing is quite good as well. I mean, he I mean he's obviously a talented writer. He's a, he's a good storyteller. The question is, oftentimes he just pulls the ripcord when he's just like, I don't know where this is going. Deuces. Yeah. Put it on the put it on the shelf and come back to it. That's okay. Maybe it doesn't need to get published. That's Maybe good. you pull you pull your uh, oh who's that son of a bitch the the guy who does all the uh, the horror mystery ones and then he did one with Bill Clinton. He just phones oh, it in. Talking about James Patterson. James, James Patterson, Patterson, which I do enjoy a little Patterson. I love James Patterson, but yeah. he doesn't write most of the books. Yeah, discovered. No, he does the Alex Cross. Uh, like yeah. along came a spider, kiss the girls. He does those, which are which are really good. But the, I mean, he's he uh, flagrantly says that he's basically like, well, I come up with the idea and then I pay somebody to actually write the book. No, no, and they do the same thing in the art world. You got like Jeff Koontz, the guy who did all the 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 balloon art creatures. You have a factory. Here's a rough sketch of the idea. You turn it over to the team. That's it. Same thing. Same anyway, thing. give us your 30-second synopsis for two hours into the podcast talking about <laughs> literary criticism. Go ahead. 30-second uh, synopsis, please. So basically, my thing is, so you have little Danny Torrance tortured with crazy daddy, wacky mommy, and the the monsters are still following him into his adult life. It's destroying his life. And basically, um, he finds a way of saving himself by by saving other another person inflicted with the uh, the shinning. The end. The shinning. Did. I don't remember that particular. <laughs> Interesting. Do you remember that? That was that was the Simpsons ripoff. They couldn't say the shining, so it was the shinning. Like like Homer could never say Jesus, so it was Jeebus. <laughs> Jeebus had the shinning. <laughs> so you had seen you had seen this movie before, correct? Do you remember the circumstances? It was nominated for my book club and nobody wanted it. So I was like, well, that sounds kind of interesting. So I ended up listening to it and then I, I, I watched it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But it wasn't Pet Cemetery Light. Uh, I thought the book was good. I thought the movie was good. It was it was compelling. It was interesting. Uh, but, but same thing. It's it's it, it it brought in. It was a little bit more complex than the earlier works where I stopped watching. But uh, I enjoyed it because some of the baddies were interesting. I mean, Rose the Hat. Come on, every every female jackass that i knew were posting pictures of themselves as rose the hat for halloween that year every female jackass interesting um (laughs) i had never seen this before before this viewing and frankly we this was a couple days before thanksgiving 
Aaron was staying with our family, and we're like, like we do. Am I not part of your family? Aaron was staying with my family. My extended family. We're She's a, a homeless person that I found rummaging through the trash looking for like a, a bit of the Pope's nose after you feasted on Thanksgiving. That is correct. Like Oliver <laughs> Twist, basically. Marcel, I want some more, oh, please. please um as we do we we will you know hey let's let's watch a movie before we hit the, hit the sack and before night, i pass out before we pass out and that <laughs> night we went hog wild we watched spider baby which we reviewed last weekend and which is golden golden, golden and then dr sleep um and the, the gooch is because we were just being cash about it neither one of us took a whole lot in, ter- in terms of notes we're just like letting it wash over us Sometimes uh, you'd fall asleep for a little while, and then one of the other one would snore, and then I'd pop back awake. Then suddenly I was awake for the whole time, and now Kevin's asleep. It's true. So now I had to go back <laughs> and watch a couple scenes to prepare. So in a way, I've seen this twice. If you really, well, I have seen it. this twice. Listen to the book, and I barely remember it. Well, and here, okay, we have to talk about this. This is neither here nor there. Aaron and I are in a book club as well. And I feel like you have to actually read to be in a book club where there are multiple members of our book club who are like, well, if I do the, if I listen to the book on tape or the audible or whatever, while I'm doing the dishes or, you know, cleaning the <laughs> the fireplace or whatever it is they do, that's acceptable. I, I feel unacceptable. You have to read. Uh, I understand exactly what you said. I was very snobbish about it myself. And uh, for a while, I would get on Amazon and all these motherfuckers were ordering bestsellers, so it's only in hardback available. After a couple of trips down that aisle, I said, screws it. I mean, they're going to the library because they're hippies. It's already been on reserve. I'm going to pick it up today. And I'm reading five other books at the same time. <laughs> I said, no. And But 100%, I'd probably... Ca- picking up about 30% of what's going on in each book I listen to. (laughs) And that's generous. That's generous. I mean, there are ones that I glaze during COVID. I would just glaze right over. I'd be working the books going, I'd go for a walk. And all of a sudden I realized this book's half over. I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) So many. So I'd go to the book club and I'd wait for people to talk to see if that registered anything. And then I'd be like, are we listening to the same book? What? 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 Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it would not be good for uh, school. No, that'd be a big. But there, game. there are books where it's like, oh, you're in a, you're in a sweet spot. Like, well, I mean, like I'll, I'll sit in the car uh, and just let it play. I'll be, I'll like eat chips and just sit in my car. William, my son's texting me. What are you doing? Why are you sitting in your car? <laughs> it's my only peace and quiet. Sanctuary. <laughs> Sanctuary. Um, no, no, no. I mean, and I listen to books on tape and we're going on a long car ride or something like that. That's fine. I'm just, I'm very much of a mind where it's like, if we're having a discussion about this and people are like, oh, is that what happened? I, I, you know, I kind of fell asleep. Because uh, truly, when you, I'm reading a book, there are times your mind wanders and you're like, oh, damn, I didn't read the, I read this page, but I have no idea what happened on this page. 
it's much more difficult to, to rewind it and be like, where did I leave off? I don't remember. Could be anything. Just roll the dice. Oh, Sorry. that happened with a thousand, a hundred years, a thousand years of solitude where I was halfway, I was almost dead and I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. So I started the whole thing That's over again. Now you've just described my nightmares. But let's, let's <laughs> jump into Dr. Sleep before we're, before we're putting somebody else to sleep. Uh, I, I just have one more thing about book clubs. Okay, my okay. physical book club, we discussed for an hour and it's, it's deep thought. The family book club, what'd you think? Okay. Now what's next in people's lives? We're not, doing, we're not doing any goddamn deep analysis in the family book. Club. You need to bring that over then, young lady. No, That's, I don't care. I put that on you. I mean, what, we're reading uh, Lovecraft Country. What deep analysis is this? It's good. Well, well, you know the 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 Atticus. I don't know. I don't know if you you know this. But it could be like related to that book to kill a mockingbird that unrelated. is sometimes required. Totally unrelated. All unrelated. It's Atticus just a coincidence. Bizarre coincidence. Bizarre. Anyway, <laughs> Doctor Sleep. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so I love that you talk this, about Danny. It's gonna be like a six-hour podcast. It, it's gonna be a six-hour. Ten uh, minutes on the on the movie. So Danny Torrance, who was the little kid in the original Shining movie, is now Ewan McGregor all grown up. And part of me was like, I thought he'd be doing all right. But when we meet him, he is a like a total alcoholic who just shacks up with random bar women. Is that basically oh, a horrible? The... Yeah, he's just killing the pain. He's just he is tortured by these creatures as a child. And even though fake Scatman Crothers comes and tells him how to compartmentalize these creatures in his mind, he's still tortured. I mean, the, the scene where he, he drags the woman home, she clearly has OD'd. He's stealing money from her. He puts the baby down next to her and pieces out. That was awful. And that, that was, was as bad awful. a scene as I'd ever. Yes, you're right. I did it was, you, that did was you, right up there with fucking train spotting. That that's how awful it was. that was. Did you know she was dead? At that, at that I saw moment. all that vomit everywhere, and it wasn't like I ate a pizza and puked. It just didn't look right. It looked it like overdose vomit. It didn't look good. It didn't look good. And yeah. he just put the baby, her baby, on the bed and then bounced. Out of sight, out of mind. And then you the, later in the movie, the ghosts, where it's like, uh, you they know, the still neighbors haven't found here. us. Yeah. The, oh, the my God. We're used to our baby crying all the time. So they didn't do anything. And then eventually yeah. the crying stopped. I left my baby home all the t alone all the time. So the neighbors just got used to hearing the baby cry all the time. So no one ever came to rescue him. Oh, oh now, if you're not going to start drinking, that would be the time to start yes. the drinking. No question. We Awful. Talked about, that was as bad a scene. I mean, there are a couple disturbing moments in this movie, uh, but that that was a bad one. I liked the the kind of because what they what they did is recreated a, lot, a few of the scenes from the original movie. So they had actors right. lookalike actors who played Wendy and who played Jack, and then Scatman Crest. I thought the guy who played Scatman was quite good. 
I mean, it all things considered. You know? um, oh, yeah. They had, uh, they kept flashing back to the Overlook. I'm like, yep. I got to get some of that Overlook carpeting because that would look rock and roll. Let me ask you this. Did you and I ride with my big wheel around? <laughs> <laughs> kids still ride big wheels? That was a thing when I, I was a kid. I have no idea. I have no idea. They should if they're not. Um, <laughs> did you recognize the actor who played Jack Torrance when he was the bartender? Because I didn't recognize him at first, but it's, no. it's someone. No, it's someone. tell me. It's Henry well, I, Thomas. I, I, I would hope it was someone. (gasps) Yes. Smelly it. Oh, I often wondered if he just went to straight to porn or what happened to porn. He did not go straight. (laughs) Okay. That's happened before. So it's not a a bad. No, the demise of the child actor. Yes. That is true. No, he, the director of this movie, um, Mike Flanagan, directed uh the haunting of hill house on netflix did you ever watch that yeah it was haunting a hill house that being said uh the first it's half not, was very box and everything else it starts off strong and then the end's like nah. yeah i mean sad but true but the the opening yeah i mean i was, was, really I was invested i was invested hell that yes. and bird box and then you're like it kind of uh, runs out of steam. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on the shelf. Come back to that later. <laughs> the issue is what makes a lot of this stuff scary is the unknown. The right. unknown is what makes it scary. Really? Well, that's what I always say about Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers. Once you realize they're immortal, then it's like, meh. Well, but I don't watch those movies to be scared, per se. I think they're, they're I do. Of- I really? thought Halloween, when I first saw Halloween, when it first came out, I thought it was scary. Oh, no question. The original Halloween was dynamite. But you're right. Yeah. By mid-80s, though, it was a different kind of animal. Right. It was just a, a collection of how you can... It, it was like a Argento Freak Fest. We always have to come up with new and original or gross ways of killing people. And that's it just becomes a list. The reason why I mentioned... Uh, Haunting of Hill House uh, is because Henry Thomas from E.T. was in that as well, as you may have noticed. So it's like I think the director kind of uses a lot of the same actors um, again and again. So there you go. Okay. That's nice to know. <laughs> that's that's good to know. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> okay, so he is in, is in bad shape, which again was confusing because I thought when Scatman taught him the secret about locking up the ghosts in the mind, the boxes in his mind or whatever, that he'd be okay, but clearly not. Yeah. Well, the the other thing is when you, I mean, they're putting them into compartments. Yes. I mean, who are people who compartmentalize their lives? Men. Men. (laughs) Uh, The mafia. The mafia, right? I'm an assassin here. But I'm a loving father here. Yes. I mean, it's not, it's not a, good, a good thing. Okay. It's not a good thing. I mean, in this case, it was a life-saving thing. But uh, you're not dealing with shit, basically, is what's happening. And then eventually it's going to come out. Like at the end, I don't understand when he unleashes everything, but it doesn't the shit fly back at him. 
Well, I think it does eventually, right? First it attacks the the woman, and then it turns around and comes after him. But right. I mean, it, we knew by the end if this is a story of self-sacrifice and redemption because he owes the world because of some of the bad shit he did. I mean, I guess that's what it is, because that the, the baby on the vomit bed was as bad as anything. Right. Yeah. He, he's got a yeah. he's got a penance uh, yeah. to serve. But again, it's like I guess we're supposed to think that he becomes like the dude at the beginning of the Sixth Sense who shoots Bruce Willis. Like a lifetime of dealing with crazy stuff has turned him into a, a weird freak. I guess. Right. Right. But again, that flies. Like Haley Joel of- Osment, like the Sixth Sense. He probably didn't grow up to be, you know, I don't know. A regular person. Well, they're saying that he embraced the sixth sense ability and then presumably was fine as opposed to the other guy. He embraced it when he was nine. What happens when he's 45 and he's still dealing with this shit? Donnie Wahlberg at the beginning of Sixth Sense. Boom! Mm -hmm. There's there's no way to escape it. Unrecognizable, by the way. Um, Unrecognizable. So... Okay, so he's dealing with his stuff. He eventually goes to Alcoholics Anonymous, moves to a new town, and things seem to be going okay. But, and this is this is the thrust of this movie, is that there's a gang of who are essentially vampires. Um, yeah. Who roam around uh, America, hunting down kids who have the shining power, and they essentially suck out the shining and then drink right. it. Basically, I used to work with psychic vampires. It's very much like um, what we do in the shadows where they just sit there and you spend time with them and you just feel your life force draining out of you. <laughs> That'd be true. But this this leads directly into the other really disturbing scene. I told you I told you I was falling asleep. This woke me right up. Uh, oh, where baseball boy, baseball boy. They kidnap this gang uh vampires and i guess they they can live longer because they they suck the 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 shining out of people they kidnap this kid and they take him out into like an alley and the only way they can get the shining out of out of you first of all they only target little kids and i guess they talk about this in the book that basically their shining is more pure and therefore a little tastier um and the only way they can get it is basically by torturing them to death. They have oh, to, yeah. It's fear and pain. It can't, it's got to be they're terrified and they're in agony. And that's how Horrible. they stick out the Yeah. So they they kidnapped the baseball boy, who I immediately recognized as Jacob Tremblay, who was in that movie Room with Alison Brie. And he was in Wonder with uh, Owen Wilson and Julia Roberts. Both times, he's like the sweetest little kid. And here he is being tortured to death. Now oh just my like, God. What? Screaming. Screaming. Awful. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching, <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie, it sounds like a Fulci film. It's not as bad as all that, it, but it, it has these moments that you're just like, whoa. They're more, it's, it's not like you see a bunch of horrible stuff. It's more of like right. the idea of the horrible stuff. It's not bloody, but right. it, it, it can be dark. <laughs> it is dark. It is dark. Um, and they're led by Rose the Hat, uh, who's kind of, I don't know what she's like, a hippie chick wearing a crazy little top hat or something. <laughs> she, 
she she sits on top of the RV, crisscross applesauce. Looks like she's meditating. And when she clears her mind, she can sense where the next person's going to be. And there's a crisis because it's like Santa Claus, less and less people believe. So there's less and less of these people out there for them to feed on. Right. Basically. Uh, So, but I mean, here's my question to you. Were they like people with the shining initially before they changed into, into whatever they are now vampires? Well, they do capture that one girl right. who had the power. Yes. So it could have gone, but they needed her skill. If they didn't need her skill, they would have just eaten her. Right. Just so the question right. is, who is Vampire One and, and what's the backstory of Vampire One? That That we don't know. That's the question. You're right. So there's the scene where they're staking out this girl and she's at the movies with a much older man. And it's clear, like she kind of traps these like would be pedophiles. Essentially she entices them like that movie, hard candy. We we watched them to meet her. And then she uses her shining powers where it's basically like, she can just tell them to do something and they have to do it. Basically. Um, and And, and quite frankly, they get off free. She puts them to sleep and then, carves two lines on their cheeks as a reminder as a reminder something that that will be a scar and they won't be able to explain right and i think she does put into like kind of a suggestion if i'm remembering correctly like you know you're every time you see this you're gonna remember and and therefore not be so much of a pedophile i don't something along those lines well (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're going after I mean, let's let's face it. This girl looked like she was like 28, but she's like trying she's, to, <laughs> she's dressed in like a tiny little skirt. Like what is she supposed to be? 17, 16? She wasn't so very young. She didn't look so very young. In yeah. Arkansas, she could have gotten married. Oh, absolutely. She would have been an old maid in Arkansas. To to our international listeners, the United (laughs) States has this funny thing where each state decides what the age of consent is. And I got a teaching credential with someone who got married at 14 with parental consent because she was uh, pregnant. Where? Where did the... In California? It was either Alabama or Arkansas. It was one of the... Of course, a southern state. Sweet yep. Jesus. And and little here here's a surprise. Marriage didn't last. Now now that's shocking. That's the that most shocking, shocking thing I've heard. Uh-huh. So they when they you know, the vampires rose the hat and what's his name? Crow Daddy or whatever his name was. Yeah. They they go and they like kind of stake out the young woman in the movie theater and are deciding do they want is she food? Or do we turn her essentially? And when they see her power to kind of, they call it push to push someone with, which means you kind of force them to to do something just by giving. She gets into their brain and drops a suggestion and basically can, can force them to do something just by thinking about That's it. That's correct. So when they see that power, they're like, Oh, we have, we have to turn her. And they tell her it's like, you know, you'll you'll be long live you'll live long, you know, but we have to feed kind of thing. And she's down. She's like, cool. Cool, cool, cool. They neglect to tell you the part of it, like with all vampires, is you die first. 
Right. Well, it was, it's a painful transformation. And I guess they say that some people who go through it don't survive it. Like, there's a chance you just bite the dust. But her power... They skip that part, too. They, they, they leave that out of the brochure. Um, they Her power allows them to capture the baseball boy. Because when right. they pull up, he's walking home from, the, from a game, and she's like, get in the van, and he has to get in the van. And that's all she wrote. Poor baseball boy. Yeah. Poor baseball boy. Oh, God. So that's, there's... A, that, was, that was... Oh, it was very upsetting. Poor baseball <laughs> boy. They um, just frighten him and torture him, and then... While he's screaming, this like fog comes out of his mouth they and their eyes steam. glimmer. Right. They call it steam and they all lean forward and start breathing it in. Right. They all and that's it. how they change her. So I guess a mortal who breathes in the steam then goes through the transformation. Right. Um, so the, and there's another subplot, which is obviously the most important subplot, where there's a young girl named Abra who is superpower shining. Like, shining on steroids. Um, and it's like her story kind of parallels Danny's story as a child, where it's like you got the power, but it kind of freaks out your parents. So you right. kind of downplay it. You don't necessarily share all, all your powers and things like that. But of course, once the bad guys get a whiff, they're like, we got to have it. We right. Have her it. power is so strong that she and she's like so much more mature and together than even Danny now right. that she was able to see to, to sense him and reached out to him you know across the country right right so that, and that but by reaching out she's setting up a big flag to anyone else monitoring the stratosphere all the scary vampires are now right. aware of her um so that's the thing. It's like, you know, we've got to, I have to, Danny's like, I have to save the girl from the, the evil vampire people who are on their way over here. Uh, to, what do we to do? To be straight, Scatman Crothers put the shame on him. He's like, I'm out of here. She's nothing to me. He's like, uh, I think you owe the universe something. You need to redeem yourself, you son of a bitch. Get over there. Because <laughs> you're right. She goes to him and is like, hey, we have to find the, the baseball boy's body. Just number one, so his parents know what happened to him. Right. But right. also, so if we get his baseball glove, I'll be able to track the vampires because they've been they held they held the, the glove. He you're right. Initially, he's like deuces. But that's often what happens in these stories, right? It's like they go to the... Not, you know, my, not my business. Right. They go to the, the retired gunslinger asking for help, and the gunslinger says, no thanks. And then Amelia goes, well, on second thought, I'm in. Whatever. You know what? I It never occurred to me that this was really true grit, but thanks. It, it is true grit. He's rooster. He's uh, rooster. No question. So you're right. So evidently every now and again, old scat man shows up and kind of chit chats <laughs> again. Scat man died with an ax in his chest in the shining, but evidently he could still talk to like the sixth sense. He still visits uh, Danny from time to time just to say, hey, mostly just to shame him at this point. Now, as an adult, it's mostly just to shake his head, wag his finger. Oh, absolutely. Cause he's like, I helped you. 
back in the day, and now you're turning your back on poor little Abra. How and he's you- like, but bro, look what happened to you. I don't, I don't want an axe in my chest For sure. from Jack Nicholson. For from sure. Jack Nicholson. No question. Isn't it enough that I stopped drinking and leaving dead prostitutes alone with their baby? Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? Apparently not. No. Partial credit? Nothing? This universe is very Catholic. There must be more punishing. So <laughs> his, his, his AA sponsor is, what was his name? I'm trying to even remember, but it's, it's Cliff Mr. Curtis. Rogers, I think. It must be Mr. Rogers because uh, you show up. You're just a hobo. Yes. I find you a place to sleep. I give you a job. I buy you some clothes. I get you sober. And when you say, hey, ghosts and aliens are sending me messages in my brain, he's like, let's load up and go. (laughs) He's it. Now, in the defense of the story, they kind of suggest that he's a little shine touched as well. Because he he always knows. He's a little touched. He's a little touched in the head, that's for sure. But he he knows who, who he can trust. Basically, that's the extent of his shining ability. He just, right. like, he's a good judge of character. So therefore. Okay. I, I see what you're doing. You're, you're implying, that's implied due to bad storytelling. That's correct. This is why it must be because, which <laughs> is never really outlined in the story, well, no, but he, I like that. I like your interpretation. He <laughs> goes to Cliff Curtis's house and says, hey, before I tell you this story, I want to reiterate. Now, when we first met, you said, hey, I can just tell things about people. I can tell who are good people and who are bad people. So do you trust me? He's like, yes, I guess I do. Tell me your crazy story that has me driving from New England all the way to Iowa. If he is so smart and and knows that, how come he didn't know about the dead baby? Boom. That's a question. Not too good after all, I guess, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But he recruits him to go across, and there's that scene where they're digging up the grave. That was a pretty rough scene as well. I got my shovels. Let's go dig up the dead boy. Wee! Oh, it's a little funky down in the hole. I wonder what that is. Yes. Yes. Well, he says, <laughs> first, you and McGregor goes, you, do you smell that? And he tells, a, uh, Cliff Curtis tells a story where he's just like, I used to hunt all the time. One day I clipped a deer and I found that deer five days later and the stench was to high heaven. This smells like that as well. <laughs> I never hunted again. I had no idea when I shot the deer that it might die. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a catch and release kind of situation. I was going to pull that arrow right out of his neck and give him a slap on the butt and send him back home. Get it on his way. (laughs) So they they set a trap for the vampires where they literally, the vampires arrive at like some rest stop or whatever, expecting to find the girl there. And there's Cliff Curtis and Ewan McGregor who just opened fire. Boom. (laughs) Just without a word to say. Now they're just, (laughs) they're snipers at this stage of the game and proceed to just massacre most of the gang of vampires. Not a moment of hesitation. That's something. 
That's pretty good for two guys who have never really actually killed a person before. Yes. They were just like, okay. And, and once again, the friend with his limited psychic powers was like, okay, so you were asking me to come with you and kill like eight or ten dudes, right? Okay, I'm in. let's go. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I boom, used to boom, hunt boom. deer. And I was so I used bothered to hunt deer. by it that I gave it up forever. But murder? Yeah. But people deserve it. It's it's the most dangerous game, Kevin. The most de the deadliest game, as they say. Now <laughs> we're we're supposed to think that they were both so bothered by finding Baseball Boy that they feel murder is on the table. It's on the menu. So I, I guess that makes sense. But there's I will a tell moment. you a story. I saw I was in Palm Springs around Christmas time one time, and I. Uh, Stopped at a red light and there was somebody dead on the side of the road right next to me. Shut but up. I legs and body akimbo, and there was an ambulance coming up behind me. It was I looked quickly and I was like, oh, this is an unnatural position, and quickly drove home. So you didn't pull uh, over to see if you could help, is what you're no, saying. There were there, uh, there were already people there, oh. and the ambulance was coming. I was like, enough. I don't want to look at this anymore. But because I saw the dead body, I then didn't go and drive my car over a bunch of people. There Do you, you see the relation to the story? Well, my question is, did Scatman appear behind you in your backseat and say, hey, Doc, shouldn't you go around and lend a hand? Shouldn't you I kind of think because I did drink a lot of beer in college that maybe Scatman doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Scott I don't know. Scatman's out. Scatman is out. I'm out, Doc. Sorry. He's all, sh shame on you, Aaron. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> Very upsetting. Very upsetting. Um, okay, so then there's the thrilling conclusion, which I guess does not, it's a different, it's different than the book, the thrilling conclusion. Because in the book, the, the original book, The Shining, uh, right. the Overlook Hotel was destroyed, was blown up, the, the boiler goes up. Which is right. not what happens in the movie. In the movie, they just escape. Little Wendy and little Danny get into a snowcat and then leave right. and overlook behind. So this right. was a bone of contention. We're going to talk more about this. Well, uh, one of the bone of contention is how do you drive? How does she know how to drive a, a freaking snowcat when she was a stay-at-home wife in Denver? That's standard. When you move to Colorado, <laughs> you got to get that license. She knows how to sit quietly and chain smoke Paul Malls while drinking her coffee, but does she know how to drive heavy equipment? She might. Who's to say? Who's to say? Um, so there's that thrilling conclusion where it's like now, for some reason, I guess this doesn't happen in the book. Danny, or, uh, yeah, Danny opens up all the boxes in his brain that contain the ghosts, and they attack Rose the Hat, who's about to whoop his ass. Right. Essentially. And that's the end. Basically, of they killed everybody but Rose. And you know what? I got to tell you, she's a little pissed. She's a little pissed, right? Well, she, and she's lived for however long. So she's like kind of an immortal person. She was the, the leader of the gang. Um, but evidently, the old the old ghosts, including Delbert Grady and the gang, they, they make short work of her. So that's, that's all she wrote. Um, so. Good times so what happens, now. something not discussed is, so after they've destroyed Rose the Hat and Danny Torrance, where, where do they go? Well, th that's the thing. So they, they go and they attack Danny and they possess him. 
So at that point, he becomes like Jack in The Shining. Right. After Abra. But in that moment, as he's about to kill Abra, then he has the redemption, which I guess this was the, the true ending of the original Shining book. He fights off the possession momentarily to allow right. Abra to escape. And then blows up the the boiler to to now blow up, uh, and, and and that's something that's happened in a thousand possession movies. Where at the last minute, that's the end of The Exorcist, where where there's that moment when the priest takes on the devil, and instead of killing Reagan, he jumps out, throws himself out the window. Amityville Horror, yeah, same thing over and over again. Yeah, uh, but the, but this means now. That all these demons are loose, are free, are free. So, but th- but that's the thing. He, Ewan McGregor, in the end of the story, comes back and teaches Abra how to, you know, lock up the ghosts in the boxes as well. Right. So that's so the the cycle. Now, why is it called Doctor Sleep? We kind of because it's really not that important to the story, even a little bit, a little bit. Why is it called Dr. Sleep, Aaron? Do you know? I don't know, but it is a good title. <laughs> it's called Dr. Sleep because there's he got a job at like a rest home. I don't know if he's a night watchman or some some shit. He said he look, he does not have a college diploma uh, degree or anything. OK, he's he's got maybe he has a GED. So he's not a doctor or anything, or a nurse. he's one of those aides that change the bedpans, mop the floors, he's very minimum wage. Yeah, he's, yeah, basically. Which is fine. Hey, you know what? God bless you, orderly. We need, we need everybody. Absolutely. So he's sitting at the counter, and he notices there's a cat who goes around uh, and visits the elderly people who are about to bite the dust. Basically, so the cat visits and he notices the cat. So he goes and sits with those people in their final moments, like gives them peace because, you know, obviously people are afraid as they know they're about to die and they're afraid. He gives them peace in their final moments. There's stories about that dogs and cats that, that somehow know. Absolutely. So one of the patients calls him Dr. Sleep. That's his nickname. And you are right where you're supposed to be, Dr. Sleep. That's like a reoccurring theme. It's like you're now where you're supposed to be. But it has nothing to do with Abra, the little girl with the shining. has nothing to do with the scary vampires. It's more of like, oh, that's an interesting little tidbit. I'm going to throw that in as well. And now that's the title of the book. I mean, it sounds more interesting than uh, The Shining Part (laughs) 2. Even shinier. <laughs> Even shinier. And with new, I don't know, whatever. 20% more it. shiny. Right. <laughs> right. So it's it's neither here nor there, but that's why it's called Dr. Sleep. So there you go. There's no there's no Freddy Krueger in this movie or anything like that. It has nothing to do with sleep. It has nothing to do with any of that good stuff. Any thought, last thoughts before we go behind the scenes? I think Abra should kill herself. And let me tell you why. Please. This just seems like a horrible life because whatever happened to Danny Torrance will eventually have to happen to her. I mean, you're not supposed to think th- that way. You're not supposed but, to. Be- <laughs> I can't imagine that these are the only vampires. There's going to be other dark souls that are going to seek you out. 
I mean, I guess you can wait uh, until you're visited again, but sounds terrible. The thing about this is, is you're right. This is only one tribe of of vampires. The Knot. The Knot is the name of this particular gang. Um, And And not like N-O-T. K-N-O-T. K-N-O-T. Exactly. Um, Like we're not cool. No, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Um, (laughs) And in the book, there are like 40 members of the Knot, essentially. Or in this movie, there's like eight. Seven or eight, essentially. So, and why would you have so many? More people mean you've got to share the limited resources. I mean, I get Crow Daddy, you and Crow Daddy cruising the centuries. You know, he's going to run out of things to say. <laughs> but these all can't be your ex lovers. That's all I'm saying. No, it's true. Well, I guess what it is is Crow Daddy has like a, an expert tracker. Like he can track down people. So that's his ability. And the one girl whose name I'm not sure I ever learned, who has the ability to push, I could see where that would be valuable. The rest of the Ho gang... Daddy. Her name Ho is Ho Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> Her name is Ho Daddy. Anyway, behind the scenes, are you ready? Boom. Mike Flanagan, the director, uh, painstakingly recreated the sets of the Overlook Hotel from blueprints acquired from Stanley Kubrick's estate. Nice. Good stuff. No, it was beautiful. They they found the beautiful carpeting with like the hexagons. Uh, you know, it was good. You got the elevator, you got the blood. What's not to love? What's not to love, indeed. It was much better than the shining homage from uh, Ready Player One. I'll tell you that. Uh, Piss poor. It's much better than the shining remake with the dude from Wings. Womp! That was, oh, did that you... was the, the Stephen King approved version. By the way, with Rebecca De Mornay and Stephen Weber. To so tell the to tell the truth, I saw two minutes of it. That yeah, was like disgusted. Disgusted. Um too late. It's too late. You have a window. Although I am waiting to see a proper remake of uh, the Salem's Lot, which I hear is in the works. They already did one. They did one a, f- a few years ago, if I remember, with Rob Lowe and uh, Donald Sutherland, I think. Like another made-for-TV? No. No. I mean a proper... Why do they keep trying to make it a f***ing miniseries? What the hell is that about? (laughs) HBO! You need to come over here and do this. Full frontal nudity for the first couple of episodes, and then you dive right into the story. Just just 30 (laughs) minutes of full frontal. No story necessary. Uh, Um, There's a scene... Okay, back to behind the scenes. When Danny is sitting in the in the old folks' home, sitting at his counter, before he sees the cat, he's reading a Playboy magazine. It's the 1978 January <laughs> issue, and it's the same one that Jack Nicholson was reading in The Shining, which is a kind of an interesting little moment. When he's about to be interviewed for the job of the caretaker, he's sitting in the lobby reading a Playboy magazine, bro. Which is in interesting. Path. That kind of reminds me of when I had to go see Fifty Shades of uh, Grey with your with our mother. It's like you don't need to know what your folks' porn is. You absolutely do not. The most chilling thing that I ever heard was mom said, "Everybody needs a little porn every now and again." And I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> TMI, mom. Don't need to know this stuff. Oh. Awful, awful, awful." But that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's see. Maybe it is. I don't know. 
I'd rather it be there than here. (laughs) I'd rather it stay in their minds and in their imaginations and leave me out of it. It's kind of my attitude. So, sorry. It wasn't a Playboy magazine. It was a Playgirl magazine. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. Wait a minute. So, Jack Nicholson was reading Playgirl? And Ewan McGregor were reading Playgirl. The same. I have to tell you, we used to when I was in high school, we used to buy Playgirl all the time, not for the articles. We we (laughs) would take the centerfolds up and paint and paste them in our uh, in our bathroom. That's terrifying. Anyway, uh, I think mostly men were buying it by the end. Playgirl was meant for gay men. It was was not meant for the ladies. Uh, Anywho, Doctor Dalton. He interviews uh, Ewan McGregor for the position at the at the old folks' home. The office is designed to look just like the office where Mister Ullman interviews Jack Torrance in The Shining. That's awesome. I like that. And a little homages. Uh, oh yeah, that reminds me. There was somebody. Wasn't there somebody famous who was in the office in the background? Oh, this is this was flashing me back from when we reviewed The Shining many moons ago. Yeah, you better just start talking because I'm going to stop talking and uh, googling. Most elements of The Shining were recreated with duplicate sets and lookalike actors. Those three shots were reused: the aerial shot of the water in the island from the opening of The Shining, which right? Reused. Yes. Uh, and two shots after it of the car driving on the mountain road. The shots were degrained, recolored as day for night, and had snow digitally added. So there you go. Okay. I, I, it looked good. It did look really good. Uh, Stephen King first got the idea for the book because people kept asking what happened to Danny after the events of The Shining. They kept asking, kept asking. His initial joke answer was that... Uh, Danny Torrance married Charlene McGee from Firestarter and lived happily ever after. But it kind of planted a seed and he decided to write the story. So there you go. Did you say Danny Torrance married the chick from Firestarter? That was was the idea? That was his joke response. You have you're not really paying attention when I'm giving you these pearls? That's because, now interesting, it says they modeled the uh, interior... After the Awani in Yosemite. And I've been there. But I was trying to figure out, I swear to you. Oh, screw it. There's a couple of actors who are are in The Shining that are just show up in the office. Was it, I want to say it's Udo Kier. Yes, it's Udo Kier. Absolutely. Um. It took a lot of negotiating to get this film made because basically the director, Mike Flanagan, had to go to Stephen King and say, look, we cannot remake this book exactly as as it's written because sadly, the American public is more familiar with Shining the movie than they are with Shining the book. So we have to take the you know, what they are expecting it to be. And the way it worked is they said, look, what, the way we'll do it is we'll take basically your original ending of Shining the book and turn that into the ending of, of Dr. Sleep the movie. I remember. It's the Pontius Pilate from Jesus Christ Superstar is briefly in the office. <laughs> Was that worth it? 
Was that worth no. it all? That it was, was Marie Head from from freaking <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar. Also, <gasps> the singer of One Night in Bangkok, which was a hit in the eighties. It's not. Wasn't. Is that the same person? Yes, it is. Of course. You're wrong. Who are you talking to? Now I'm. Gonna, now I'm going to Google that. Google it, baby. And all I right. think that's that's all we need to know. Let's talk about the cast, shall we? Or I'm going to talk about the cast while you do other things, evidently. Sweet Jesus. You're damn straight. Damn Skippy. Ewan McGregor played Dan Torrance. Dan, not Danny. Uh, you know him from Moulin Rouge, Train Spotting, uh, T2, <laughs> Train Spotting 2. T2. What do they call it? August Osage County. He's been in a ton of stuff. Fine Scottish actor. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson played Rose the Hat. You know her from she's Swedish. You know her from The Greatest Showman. She was, in but she does not have a Swedish awesome. name. But she was amazing. Yeah, Rebecca Ferguson. Like I said, uh, her real name is Rebecca Ferguson Sundstrom. So there you go. She was also in Dune. She played Lady Jessica. Like I said, she's Ilsa Faust in a bunch of Mission Impossible movies with Tom Cruise. Okay. Does uh, that mean she's Scientologist? Possibly. Uh, Kille Curran played Abra Stone. You know her from Dr. Sleep. Secrets of the Sulphur Springs TV series. Not familiar with that. What the hell is that? I can, I will, I did. And The Fall of the House of Usher. It's a new miniseries that's coming out. Ooh. Oh, I think this is another Mike Flanagan joint that's going to be on Netflix, it looks like. Because he did um, Haunting of Hill House. He did. Okay, first of all, it is not Murray Head. It's Barry Denon. But thank that's you. Not, that's not Judas Iscariot. You're lying to me. I didn't say Judas Iscariot. I said Pontius Pilate. Oh, sorry. My bad. Boom. Cliff Curtis played Billy, the kindly AA sponsor, who, a little too kindly, if you ask me, frankly. And what did he get for his generosity? He'd be dead. He'd be dead. You know him from Risen. He was in a movie called Sunshine. He was in The Dark Horse. He was in Training Day. He's a New Zealand actor. He's been a ton of stuff. I don't think he ever plays a New Zealander. Train, training day is very upsetting. Very upsetting. Very, very uh, stressful. Anybody else you want to know about before we move on? No. Crow Daddy. Crow <laughs> Daddy. Crow Daddy I've seen in some stuff. His name is I know. Simon I've Farman. seen Crow. You know him from uh, Into the West, Dr. Sleep, Strike One, The Forever Purge. I saw him, I think it was in the second season of the Fargo TV series, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, so far, apparently, he's a stranger to me because I don't know anything you just said. He was also in Bone Tomahawk. If you haven't seen that, we should do that sometime. That's a good Never one. seen that. Don't know what that is. Anybody else you want to know about? That also sounds like a porn. Could be. <laughs> so there you have, it. And then Mike Flanagan, the writer-director. You know him from uh, Midnight Mass, Haunting a Hill House, Dr. Sleep, Gerald's Did Game. Did you he see Midnight Mass? What is that? Is, is that good? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. It's, uh, I don't want to see if it's just uh, priest pedophiles. That, that's not for me. But I if watched, the priest was also possessed, that'd be something else. Like I said, I watched Haunting of Hill House, all of it. And I watched about half of Haunting of Blind Manor. Same Never director. heard of that. 
Yeah. So that's another. It was like a number, another in the series of the haunting show. So I got to check that. One. I got to finish that at some point. Well, I saw Crimson Peak by Guillermo del Toro. It is shit on a shingle. <laughs> well, I'll add it to my list. For <laughs> Shall we talk about the rating? Please. Doctor Sleep currently has. 78% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Do you know See, what- I just looked up Jesus Christ Superstar. It was the same thing. I was like, what? Jesus Christ Superstar. Beverly D'Angelo. Um, <laughs> what the audience gave <laughs> Beverly- She was in it. That was her thing. What? I do you even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Beverly D'Angelo was not in Jesus Christ Superstar, are you on the drugs? I'm Get out of your kid's secret stash. Actually, I think I, I'm, I'm mixing up. <laughs> You're I'm thinking mixing... of Coal Miner's daughter. No, <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. No, I'm thinking of hair, is what I'm thinking of. That's what's messing oh, me up. Oh, Lord. Anyway. Help me, Jeebus. Do you know what the audience gave Dr. Sleep? Uh, I think it g- gave it like a 70%. It gave it 89%. That's pretty strong. Now, I didn't mention this before, but this was mentioned on Shudder's 100 Greatest Movie Moments. And I saw saw it and I was like, hey, this is going to be something we do. And then you suggested we watch it. And it was like all the the tumblers fell together. Let's look at... 100 Greatest Movie Moments. I mean, I enjoyed it. Or Horror Movie Moments or something. It was on Shudder. Whatever. Uh, what what moment was it that that was horrifying? Just the torturing of the babies. It was baseball boy. Baseball boy uh, was, the, was the big moment. Uh, let's see. Amy Nicholson, top critic of Film Week, says, "I think what I respected the most about Doctor Sleep is that it does feel like it's trying to be its own film for as long as it can." Is that helpful? Is that a positive? What does that fucking mean? What does that mean? Okay, so we just need to be more vague and more nonsensical with our reviews. I'll try to hit that on the TikTok. So people will be like, we don't even know what they're saying. You offend people every time you you insult the critics, by the way. They're probably listening right now with tears in their eyes. You know what? I'm I'm reviewing the critics. Clearly. Uh, Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times says... A tip of the red rum to Dr. Sleep and to Ewan McGregor's memorable performance for giving us the opportunity to catch up with Danny Torrance in a most satisfying manner. Three Sounds like Richard Roper is sipping on the red rum a little bit, but actually red, at least red, that review red made red sense. Uh, let's see one more. Yeah. Peter Travers yep. of Rolling Stone. Yes. The sequel to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining relies way too much on borrowed inspiration and eventually runs out of steam. But his this flawed hybrid... Runs out Kubrick, of steam. Yeah. You get that steam. But clever. his flawed hybrid of Kubrick and Stephen King still has the stuff to keep you up nights. Three out of five. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Okay, kicking it back to you. What is your rating of Dr. Sleep? I'm going to give it Four little warm, toasty pieces of Ewan McGregor served on a delicate cracker with just a bit of honey for me to gobble up and enjoy. Um, I think I'm going to give it, 
I'll say 3.75 little tiny pieces of the baseball boy in the grave. Okay. <laughs> How's that you, but, you? but you won't be gobbling that up. I'm not gobbling that. I'm gonna keep driving like like you did with the poor homeless dude sitting on the side of the road asking for help. Oh, I didn't say they were homeless. It was all bad. I was like, what's happening? And then all of a sudden my car was at the red light and it was on the driver's side and I turned my head. I was like, Oh, this is bad. I keep on driving. It was bad, bad. I tried to put like just a corner of an eye to see what was going on, and then I'm like, I've already looked too long. That was it. I gotta get. I, I was like, I gotta get out of here. It was like Christmas time, of course. But it's on Highway 111. You know when it makes the big turn, like why? Like over where the old riding stables used to be, where like Vicky's well, house used to be. The person you by the side of the road does not just keep driving. That's a lot. Well, I hope they don't steal my steam. <laughs> they might who's to say <laughs> let me say this i thought this was a, this was a fine film i thought it was a real film uh oftentimes with these kind of sequels you feel like what the hell but it is kind of its own thing it's obviously yeah. an homage or you know and obviously a sequel to the shining but it doesn't feel like it's trying to be the shining and you, you don't have I mean? to see the shining uh to enjoy this Right. I, I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to because no. it is kind of its own thing. I thought the performances yeah. were good. I thought Abra was no. quite good. Um, she was very good. What, what did you say she was in? You didn't. I didn't. I, I did, but I don't remember. It wasn't stuff that I heard. Although she. But she we're gonna going to see to be, more from her. She was bang. She was bang. No question. Uh, the whole gang was good. Like I said, it has some moments that make you go like, wow, holy mackerel. Um, yeah. But it was it was like like I said I was falling asleep and then poor baseball boy meets his untimely demise. That, 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 right you up. didn't fall asleep after that. No, I was I was up after that. Sad uh, situation. So, Rose the Hat was a great villain. She yes. was very cool, very pretty, but just yep. just fucking dark, 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 dark. So thank you very much. Go to our page on Twitter while it lasts. Uh, what are we going to what are all the mastodon cleopatra what are all the other bullshit I've, fake twitter yep could be good god all, i don't know i'm making up are we going straight to discord we can just shout over everyone exactly the podcast i wouldn't die but while supplies last, we're on Twitter at the podcast that wouldn't. I'm messing it up. At T Podcast TW Die. We're on Facebook, which is still around in spite of it all. At the podcast that wouldn't die. Aaron, are we on Insta? Are we on uh, we, TikTok? Uh, we are on the Insta. We are on the Ticker Talker. We are the podcast that wouldn't die. My daughter shamed Aaron because she said her TikToks are too goddamn long. I need to be yeah, that whole minute and a half is like a like an e like an ice age. <laughs> Sad but true. You can also email so, us. Freeze. So I did record a 15 second one, but I had to record it like five times to get all my jibber jabber in and in 15 seconds. I've been talking about a little bit and here's a picture of Kevin and the zombie. And then it was over. Brevity is the soul of wit, they say. I don't know who they are, but that's what they say. You but people email, say. You can also email us at the podcast that wouldn't die at Gmail. Gmail. 
We are at uh, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere the finer podcasts are available. So don't forget to like, share, rate, and review, won't you? Aaron, That's right. Are you we're going big time, media? kids. Let me hear it. Uh, and well, soon Kevin will have his fans only. We're gonna have a That's Patreon. We're gonna have uh, cameos available. They are available. As for my media, right now I am on the Insta. I'm 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 like the podcast. I am the Cult of Aaron. I am Don't Feed the Pigeon on the. Uh, what am I talking about? Instagram. Yep. I am. And then if you want to buy my beautiful t- photography, Aaron Doherty on Artsy and First Dibs. Somewhere, somehow, there will be an Etsy account in my future. But really, I can't get my shit together right now. Can't get my shit together. Shit together. Um, next week. Like... The- Person's been asking me over and over. Every week I say, Who are these persons? Friends, Who are these persons? Family, you know, fans. Who's Are say? they friends? Could be. A friend who you haven't met a yet. A friend in need is a friend indeed. Is a friend indeed. They've been saying, number one, with a bullet we have to do is the science fiction police drama action film. I'm not sure what it is. It's called The Hidden, starring Michael Norrie and Kyle McLaughlin. So we let me tell you, out. let me tell you an amusing little story. Please. So I, I'm I'm on the dating apps and I was talking to uh, some young gentleman and he was like, oh, I love science fiction. What are your top sci-fi movies? And I couldn't think of any that I actually liked. That's upsetting. Even though, even though we reviewed 10,000 of them, I'm like, well, I can give you a list of ones I don't like. 2001 is like really slow. 2010 is a weaker version of 2001. Oh, I didn't think of Blade Runner. You know, I love the Blade Wrath Runner. Wrath of Khan? Khan! See, That's now, so now I can think of stuff. Right? It's like when you go to the uh, the trivia at the bar and you don't know who wrote uh, War of the Spider World. Baby. Yeah, who wrote <laughs> Spider Baby? Damn it, it was just on the top of my tongue. Now, you can watch The Hidden for free if you are a subscriber to the Criterion channel, which is not me, and that's not Aaron either. We're going to have to pay full freight $2.99 on Amazon Prime. There oh, God, that reminds me. I still, because of you, have some Paramount Plus thing I can't figure out how to cancel, and I still have fucking shattered. I haven't watched it in two months. I keep getting the, your bill's been successfully paid. I'm like, no! No, Bob's back this Friday. So there you oh, go. God. Good times. Um, so Have your- we seen The Hidden? Because it sounds no. familiar. I haven't seen it since like probably 25 years. So maybe it's right. amazing and maybe lousy. Who's to say? All right. Then we're putting on The Forbidden Zone with the Knights of the Oingo Boingo on our list. Mark my words. I don't know anything about that. But anyway, send in your uh, favorite scenes, favorite quotes, comments, and questions, and maybe we'll talk about it on the show. Until that glorious day, thank you very much, and be well! Be well, children! Watch when you're crossing the sidewalks, or the crosswalks. Especially when Aaron's driving by. (laughs) Throwing a cigarette out the window. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>